All right, and it's time once again for another episode of Inside Sports Fantasy Football. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here from Inside Sports Fantasy Football, the Lakers Fast Break, Game Source, and, of course, Pop Culture Cosmos. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows. And if you get a chance, please, if you're a basketball fan and you love the NBA draft, I hope you get a chance to check out our Lakers Fast Break shows on the Lakers Fast Break channel. Not only have we had our discussions every week on the NBA and the Lakers, of course, and what's going on with the coronavirus, but if you're a big fan of the NBA draft, I've produced over 10 shows within the past month with NBA draft experts from all over talking about all the different elements of the NBA draft. So I hope you get a chance to check it out. I know sports fans, I know hope hope you're looking for new content instead of just always the okay, who is the greatest team here? Who's talking about this when? What if we did this then? We could go back in the past, the greatest teams and all that and all those scenarios, and we do every now and then. But it's so nice when we could talk about something current, and you can hear that right now if you're a basketball fan on the Lakers Fast Break channel. But I wanted to go ahead and start off this show with an apology, a little bit of a correction. I said in a couple episodes ago during a Loyola Marymount poll that was taken, which had, I guess, let's put it this way, the Rams and the Chargers not as high up on the food chain as far as people's thoughts on them as their favorite team in the city of Los Angeles. It didn't come quite across as clear that in that poll, the Chargers had the a 1% approval from fans. I should have said that they had a 1%, that around 1% to 2% in the city of Los Angeles, based off of this poll from Loyola Marymount, that they were the favorite team of those individuals, not just that people like them or don't like them. I'm assuming more than 1% of the population in Los Angeles cares for the Chargers in some form or fashion. But as everyone can see out there during the past season, when everybody else on the other teams and the fans and whatnot of those other teams were visiting and frequenting the Carson Stadium more than the actual Chargers fans, maybe that number isn't altogether high. But with me today, as always, right now, lately, it's just been a pleasure talking to him. He's been here every week, week in, week out. You got to go ahead and check him out on Twitter or LinkedIn, at Chris L Sports on Twitter. You got to go ahead and ask him any sports questions you want, especially if it's about the NFL or the Giants primarily as well. It is my good friend. It is Chris Sardieri. And Chris, thanks for coming back around one more time. Thank you for having me again, Gerald. The pleasure is all mine. Well, now you're going to be slumming with me. I'm just going to tell you right now. Now you're slumming with me. Now that you've got a premiere show that is probably getting thousands upon thousands of listens, I'm glad you can still go ahead and find your way and see yourself clear. You see your way clear to go ahead and lower your standards and come down to my level and be a part of this show. Oh, no, no slumming whatsoever. I couldn't even have a second podcast without your guidance and technological expertise. And and let's face it, let's pat ourselves on the back here. Uh, We're a top 200 fantasy sports podcast, according to Apple. According to Apple, we are. We're truly appreciative of that. And we cannot thank you enough for everyone out there who has listened to us recently. We have been in the top 200 for fantasy sports podcasts, and we're truly thankful for that. We were kind of surprised came out of the blue. We've worked really hard on this show, so we truly appreciate everyone out there listening to us. And we cannot wait to get back knee-deep into all the numbers, the statistics, and all the good stuff when it comes to fantasy rotations, drafts, 
everything when it comes to fantasy football right here at Inside Sports Fantasy Football. But also don't forget Chris's show as well with his son. It's truly a love affair on that. It's just uh, as someone who is a father of three great kids, it, it, to me, I, I just cannot say enough appreciation for having this show on the air because when you do something with your kids, especially something constructive like that, it's really cool. And if you get a chance, check it out. That's the Dom hyphenated in nation. Get it? Domination. Domination Sports Nation. And that's that podcast right there. It's available on, on Anchor and everywhere else you get your podcasts. Well, my friend, yeah, is just, I, oh, go ahead. Truly, true. I'm sorry. Truly enjoy it. Thanks again for the guidance. And uh, he's having a blast with it. And I, I think the one takeaway we're getting from it is, uh, wow, your, your son knows a lot about sports. and He's really got a great memory. And uh, I think people are just amazed that uh, any offspring of mine would be that bright, perhaps. I don't know. I digress. But, uh, we're, we got on Apple this week. He's excited. He loves the Anchor app. He loves looking at it. He saw we had a listener from Australia. That got him excited. So uh, it, it's a good way to break things up during this quarantine. And we've said we've always wanted to do it. And why the heck not? Now is the perfect time. And everybody on the you know that comes by and talks to you about it or sends messages over the Internet or whatnot or social media probably says, Wow, your son is truly awesome. He is doing a great job, so knowledgeable about the sports scene, as I have listened in and, and thought the same thing. Oh, and you're on the show, too. That's right. I play the role of Gerald. I, I lob the ball over the plate for him, and he hits it out of the park. So I've learned a lot from you in that respect. I'm no longer the quote-unquote expert. I am the, uh, the table setter, as it were. Fair enough. Fair enough, indeed. Well, there's still quite a bit to talk about on today's program, but we do have to start off a little bit on a somber note with the passing at age 90 of one of the greatest head coaches out there for the NFL all time, and that is Don Shula. Uh, you know, I guess the the master architect of the only perfect season in the NFL. Your thoughts on Don Shula building that empire for that season that I know a lot of people get off or, or just are put off, excuse me, by the, I don't want to say arrogance or anything like that, but the satisfaction that the remaining or living members of the Miami Dolphins get every time that the, the top team finally loses a game in the NFL each season so their record remains outstanding and they don't have to share it with anybody. But I want to hear your thoughts. I think it's well-deserved. It is come, comes off a little tacky sometimes, but it is well-deserved because that team was very, very good. They really were, and I don't begrudge them for, for doing that because only one team has come close, the 07 Patriots. And thankfully, my beloved New York Giants ended that perfect season and made Shula and his Dolphins players very happy. But I, I think everyone talks lately, is Belichick better than Lombardi, vice versa? They're two phenomenal coaches, but you can't forget about Don Shula and not only what he did with the undefeated seasons and, and season and multiple Super Bowl titles with the Dolphins, but this is a guy who was an excellent coach with Baltimore before that. And then two, the the amount of total wins he has as a head coach is staggering. And you think too, even within his career, he really reinvented himself with the Dolphins. I mean, uh, that Super Bowl against the Redskins where they inevitably went undefeated. I want to say they threw like seven passes in that game. They were a run first and defense first type team. And then in 1983, uh, the luck of the draft happens. Dan Marino falls to them. They become a pass first team. 
make it to a Super Bowl where they inevitably lose. But you know, he came more like of a uh, an, an air show down in Miami. So I think that's what's really impressive about him to do it for that long for different teams with different types of offenses. Um, really amazing. And for on a personal level. I was lucky enough to go to the 2001 Super Bowl when my Giants got crushed by the Ravens. And one of the few highlights of that was uh, got to go to the Giants team hotel the morning of the game. My friend Jeff was working for the team at the time. And my good buddy Stu, my brother-in-law Albert, were in the lobby just to kind of see the whole scene, which was awesome. We saw Sal Palantonio doing a report. But for the three of us, I think the highlight was seeing Don Shula walk right by us and and we didn't want to bug him for an autograph. He was looking to be on his way somewhere. But really cool to see a living legend like that in person. Well, 347 wins later, he is one of the greatest coaches of all time. The most successful coach in NFL history. Again, like I said, with 347 wins. And it, it just attests to his greatness as a coach. I mean, people want to talk about how many championships he's won or, or this or that or whatnot. You know, when they argue about who's the greatest coach of all time, he needs to be in the discussion always, whether you talk about Lombardi or whether you talk about Belichick, whether you talk about Shula, whether you talk about Noel, whether you talk about any of these great coaches, it's a matter of the teams that they coached. And quite impressively, like you said, he was able to alter the way he coached football with the addition of Dan Marino and was able to go ahead and transform that team into a pass happy, fun loving, high scoring team that no, it didn't quite get over the hump, but sure as heck made it for entertaining football for many fans. And obviously, uh, you know, he won a lot of games with that way of football as well. Yeah, he really did. And let's not forget he, uh, his 85, Dolphins were the only team to beat the Bears that year. So in an ironic twist, they prevented the Bears from going undefeated. Absolutely. And again, I know people are still sometimes put off by when they have that big celebration with the champagne and whatnot. But you know what? They earned it. They went out and went undefeated 16-0. and you got to go ahead and give them credit for that. And the guy, a lot of people say, is responsible for that, including myself primarily for building and, you know, and creating such an environment for this team to go ahead and have that platform for, for, sec, for success. Obviously, the GM, the VP, everybody in the, the organization needs to be given their kudos. But the guy on the field coaching them and leading them to victories time after time after time was Don Shula. And uh, our, our condolences to the family. Uh, but, yes, he does leave a legacy that will never be doubted. Our thoughts are with you today as we remember the passing of Don Shula. Amen. We'll be right back with more fantasy football. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. I see the potential for basically like another Netflix kind of paradigm shift where here comes this other major player. They have a ton of resources. Apple could change the way that entertainment is consumed. They say it's the only time this year that you'll have stars from each brand battling each other. And we know it's not going to be the case, but they like to say that and more power to them, I guess. Well, it's a big first step bringing all those superheroes together. There were definitely some parts of the movie that I that I really enjoyed. And then there were some parts that I thought just kind of fell short of expectation. Part of it has to be something to do with how it's being 
being promoted. And this is a thing where audiences do not agree with critics. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse, every week on Apple Podcasts. And over a dozen of your favorite streaming and podcasting options. All right, my friend, a lot more to talk about in the NFL. And as always, it seems to center around the quarterbacks. Andy Dalton getting released, not surprising it at all as far as what went on because Joe Burrow got picked up number one by the Bengals. Obviously, you want to go in a different direction. The Andy Dalton experiment didn't quite materialize. He had some good years, took the Bengals to a lot of playoffs. Unfortunately, they could never win in any of those playoff games, but he proved himself to be an adequate quarterback for most of his tenure there. Unfortunately, it didn't work out as a backup. Obviously, his his high price tag would have prevented him from being such a, a commodity in Cincinnati. Got got released, but found a new home in a surprising place, in my opinion, the Dallas Cowboys. Your thoughts on Andy Dalton now becoming a member of the Dallas Cowboys, and does that put a little bit of a, I should say, Hmm, a little bit of a, a screwdriver or a wrench thrown in there as far as a little bit of a uh, you know type of uh, maybe a question into the machinery which we think will happen as far as on the offensive side for the Dallas Cowboys and Dak Prescott. Yeah, I really think it does. And at the time I got the alert, I thought, why are they doing this? And only for one year. I get teams need a good backup quarterback. We even saw what the Eagles did drafting Jalen Hurst. Uh, hurts in in the second round but uh, I I thought about it a little more and kind of reading into it I think it's a pretty shrewd move by Jerry Jones and his son in Dallas and maybe even Mike McCarthy's got his fingerprints on this Dak hasn't signed yet if he does he'll be there with a, a pretty nice price tag for the one year franchise tag but let's think about it either it kind of forces him to sign or it doesn't and then too if Dak doesn't produce this year or if he does get injured you've got an insurance policy in the form of Dalton now am I saying Dalton's better than Dak no but with that many weapons on that team I, I think Andy Dalton could probably do a pretty darn good job of running that offense and I think too suppose Prescott gets hurt during the year your season doesn't go up in flames suppose you decide you know what Dak's asking for a ridiculous amount of money we're going to let him walk Dalton had a nice one-year audition. Let's sign him next year. Maybe McCarthy's can, can work wonders with him. He's a good quarterback's coach. I think from a lot of angles, it's a win-win for the Cowboys. It's not like they had to pay a ton of money to sign him. They didn't get him as cheap as the Saints did with Jameis Winston. But you know he's a reliable quarterback, and at the very least, probably the best backup quarterback in the NFL right now, I'd venture to say. At least you could put him in the conversation. And uh, what I think it's a good insurance policy – but it reinforces what a lot of people are believing right now. In fact, I probably think you would probably say the same thing is that as of the draft, and it just felt like the way the draft was going for the Cowboys and for them, it, it looks like, you know, they, they knew in, they knew going in that they, they were going to have uh, to deal with their defense, but then all these offensive players came down to them and they just went all in and they are going all in on as far as their offense is concerned. And they're going to try and outscore you. Their defense will be something that you and I will be complaining about from time to time uh, of course, the, uh, over the course of the season. They know that. Everybody else knows that. But you know what? They're going to do their darndest to out, try and outscore you with all the offensive weapons that they have. And 
they went all in. They realized once they got CD, that's right. Once they got CD in the middle of the first round there, they realized they needed to go all in on their offense. Yeah, and I, I agree with that logic because let's face it, the NFC East is a highly winnable division. The Redskins and Giants are nowhere near being contenders. Your main rivals, the Eagles, and I think not only getting Lamb benefits the Cowboys offensively, but it keeps a real weapon away from joining Philadelphia by getting him there in the draft. So at the very least, you got yourself a playoff berth, and who knows what can happen. Secondly, you look at the teams that have been winning Super Bowls the past few years. It's not like our youth or younger years where a dominant defense had to win it. And you look at a team like the Ravens where they had virtually no offense, the defense carried that team. Now you need a defense just to get you a few stops. Look at what the Kansas city chiefs did this past year when the Patriots have won. Did they have good defenses? Yeah, but I would not compare them to the steel curtain, 85 bears, etc. So maybe the thinking is, look, we play in a winnable division. We get on a winning streak. We're reaching a super bowl and heck, maybe we go win a shootout. So I know some people question his logic. You've got to improve the defense, and believe me, they do. But uh, it's not a necessity now here in 2020 like it was a generation ago. No, no. but And I, I think we're going to see some exciting football taking place. And Cowboy fans, if something happens to Dak Prescott or if they feel unhappy or if his performance isn't up to snuff, which is being talked about, I, I think he's going to have a great season. If you don't get him too high – let's say like a third or fourth rounder or fifth rounder, if you can get him in the fifth round, you're going to be very satisfied with him in the upcoming drafts that you're going to take place for fantasy football and all that. So I think it could be a very good season for Dak Prescott. And if it isn't for some reason, Andy Dalton's there to pick up the cue and possibly do just as good in certain spots as Dak Prescott could and possibly lead the well, one of the favorites to be the NFL's best offense. I definitely agree. And I think at the very least, this should be good motivation for Dak. Not that he needs it, but it could be another uh, interesting layer on things down in the big D. Well, it gets a little messier because if the Cowboys don't commit to Dak Prescott, like you said, they're going to have to commit to one of those two. And if Dak Prescott, they don't want to commit to him long term for some reason because there's been those contract negotiations going back and forth as we speak, then it looks like Andy Dalton would be the way that they're going to lean into for the foreseeable future if that's the case and and they let Dak Prescott go. So we'll, we'll, we'll see how it works out. I'm just excited for Cowboys fans out there. I know Cowboys fans, you can love them or leave them, but as someone who has seen the Cowboys up and down all over the place and I know Jerry Jones can be irritating out there on his yacht and all that, but you know what? If you just like good offensive football, I believe you're going to get it in Dallas. You really are, especially with McCarthy coming in. I think that's another interesting twist to things. Yes. Yes, indeed. Now, there was another quarterback that we needed to talk about, and that's someone who we touched on as a major part of our episode, I think two three episodes ago, and that was Cam Newton. And Cam Newton, he got released from Carolina as they're going in a different direction. And I'm surprised as of this point in time that he's still a free agent. We've seen Jameis Winston claiming he was still going to be a starting quarterback. Unfortunately, go ahead for him and sign as a backup quarterback in New Orleans. We've also seen where Andy Dalton, who was a frontline starter for many years, now signed as a backup in Dallas. 
Cam Newton, an MVP level quarterback not too long ago in the recent past, there's a very real possibility that he could become a backup quarterback for a team and have to sign and just, I, I don't know, I guess uh, just go ahead and, and chuck aside the ego or, or what have you and just go ahead and say, you know what, I got to sign with the team you know, just to be a backup quarterback, which I think if he's healthy would be a waste of his talents. Yeah, I do. And it's interesting because the, the starting jobs have all come and gone and now he's going to be relegated to being a backup. Does he want to be? I'm not sure. I think the other wrench that's gotten thrown into this equation is with the the lockdown, no one can really get him in front of a doctor to get a good look to see if he's completely healed. How is the foot? How is the shoulder? Is he in game shape? Uh, no one knows. And I think that's another thing that's causing teams to hesitate. But looking down the road, Trying to be optimistic here. Camps do open, even if we start the season a little later. These guys are not having their OTAs. Who knows what kind of shape they're in. We start to see a few injuries when training camp does open. Cam Newton might be getting some phone calls pretty quickly to uh, at least be a backup. But if a starter gets hurt, who knows? He might get into one of these roles where he's essentially auditioning for the starting job. I still see it as a disappointment that he's not gotten the call to become a starter, at least have some teams seriously inquiring about his status or look into his health because I think he would still, if like I said, if he's healthy, he would still be, in my opinion, somewhere in the teens. Even at a top level, he could still be in that, that maybe that higher 7 through 10 range as far as quarterbacks are concerned if he's on his money and if he's healthy. And I don't understand why in New England, well, again, we don't understand a lot of things what's going on in Bill Belichick country. But again, I think new England would be a great place for him to start if he's healthy. Definitely. And that's a head scratcher too. The only thing I could think is that Belichick doesn't think he's a fit for their system and, or he really is trying to tank and why would he, despite what he says about Stidham, um, maybe he thinks we can kind of reload this year, potentially get a high pick and, either get a quarterback or build through the draft next year. But who knows? I, I think the team for me that's kind of a head scratcher is why isn't Jacksonville taking a shot at him? Gardner Minshew played well in spurts last year, but by no means do I think he's your franchise quarterback down there. Bring Newton in, even if you say, hey, uh, it's it's Minshew's job to lose. Cam's here to back him up and so forth. And at the very least, you've got yourself a nice insurance policy and Cam Newton becomes the best backup quarterback in the NFL. Just, it's so hard to say that really with a straight face right now. Cam Newton, backup quarterback. Uh, again, I, I just don't think there are 30 quarterbacks that are better than Cam Newton right now. You, you know, even if he's 80, 90%, I still don't, I, I, you just cannot tell me there are 30 players at the quarterback position in the NFL that are better than Cam Newton. Agreed. Well, my friend, it's been uh, a great talking to you as always. Uh, but before we head on out and before we get to woof woof, the Chris Sardieri doghouse, <laughs> I want to go ahead and talk a little bit about the schedule real quick. I know the schedule's being introduced or put out there at some point in time within the near future. You said next week, if I'm not mistaken. I believe they announced today it's going to be Thursday evening. They're releasing it. So they finally committed to a date. Okay. I, I, I'm i just 
you know, I know you'd mentioned that it might be coming within the next week or so. So that's uh, something to look forward to. I'm glad to hear it. Kind of think it might be a little bit premature. But again, to me, it's great as also not only an NFL fan that they would be even talking about this since they put schedule, but also for the NBA, because the NBA has really been reluctant to announce that they're coming back in any way, shape or form, because they don't like the optics of how many tests that they would need that they would take away from the general public. But if the NFL already goes ahead full blast into it and they're not concerned with how many tests that they're going to need or anything like that, because you're going to need a lot more tests than you would from the NBA. And the NBA is talking about anywhere from 15 to up to even a hundred thousand tests being made over the course of whatever finality of season of theirs, you would need a substantial amount more for the NFL. Absolutely. And and think about, too, logistically, the NBA might be able to get away with playing in front of no fans in a couple different locations. We've mentioned Vegas previously. I know there's been some buzz about Orlando. How do you handle that in the NFL? And then, too, there's really no home field advantage if you don't have any fans. So I think while they've got some time to figure things out, and hopefully time clears up a lot of the issues we have in the gray area about just opening society and then sports next, what what does that mean? How are you going to be able to secure that many tests in that much time? Um, what do you do if a player tests positive? Do you isolate that team, quarantine them, shut down the whole league, limit the the amount of people that can be with that team? What do you do with the referees? I don't know. There, there's a lot of questions, but the sheer magnitude of having two 53-men teams going and playing each other is a lot different than the NBA, where what about maybe – seven to 10 players on each team actually get in the game per night. Well, yeah, but they would, I think what is uh, 15 guys at 13 uh, active, I think, and 15 sit on the sidelines, usually not to mention the coaches or any personnel, as far as from a medical standpoint, they're there team doctors, uh, obviously assistant coaches, like I said, scouts, maybe they would reduce that staff on the sidelines, but still, even with the referees and and whatever bare minimum of NBA officials that need to be there. Announcers, it's so funny because they're talking about the concept of doing it remotely, which may be something that they're going to do more of in the future, which they have now as far as for a lot of those uh, simulations that you're seeing now on YouTube and Twitch and things of that nature, that all these uh, uh, announcers that you hear and see each and every week in the various sports are now doing a virtual online version of it and you know from a remote location it's funny how they're all talking about how that might be a real possibility and something that's an unknown venture well it's it's not because it's been done in certain sports as far as before uh, with announcers from a remote area from the studio let's say calling these games even as it's going live or whatever it's you know it's even if it's been pre-recorded I mean, we've seen that in various aspects of our pop culture and sports, including pro wrestling. Pro wrestling's been doing that since the 80s. So it's really not something that's new. It's just something that's going to be new for us in this new normal for at least the foreseeable future. Definitely. We've seen it in the past with international soccer matches. I know uh, Fox Sports and ESPN has done that from time to time and some of the overseas outlets. Of course. uh, I think... It's com- completely doable with the NFL, especially given the way technology is now. 
So I, I think that's an interesting twist. But uh, I, I just like, don't want them to funnel in crowd noise. I don't want them to do that. <laughs> I, I just I'm really opposed to that. That's okay. I can deal with it in my video games, but I don't want to hear it in real life. I want to hear the smack talk. I want to hear an NBA. I want to hear the the sound of the sneakers. I want to hear the the stuff going on, the conversations going on. Okay, you're going to have to bleep out a little bit, but even on the field, if you're talking about the NFL. I definitely want to hear what's going on there. I, you know, I want to hear what the the quarterback's going to call out. I want to hear the play that's going to be called out by the coaches, or or how to trick how they're tricking the defense, or how how the defense is calling out the plays to set set up against the offense. I want to hear those conversations, even if it's a wide receiver diva wide a diva wide receiver versus a a diva cornerback talking smack to each other. I want to be able to hear that. This is my opportunity to do so. And I don't want you to take it away from me because you're funneling in crowd noise that's really making it phony and lessening and cheapening the value of the product in this situation. I'm with you 100%. Can I get off my soapbox now there, Chris? Oh, go ahead. It's it's all yours. I'm not going to tell you what to do, but I I, I do (laughs) like and agree with what you said there. So I think it's cool. I've been on an NFL field once before a Jets-Chargers game years ago at the MetLife Stadium. My cousin was lucky enough to get us field passes and just listening to those guys warm up and the sound that pads make when a defensive lineman does a drill with the offensive lineman and they collide just in a little pregame scrimmage. Can you imagine what that sounds like during a game? I mean, I think it'll be excellent. And then two, uh, I think the sensor will, will be very busy bleeping out a lot of stuff because it's going to pick up a heck of a lot more of the banter on the field than it's previously done, which was a lot to begin with. So those are things I'm definitely looking forward to. I know the the XFL tried to do some of that with quarterback mics and things like that and then with the coaches. So maybe the NFL gets in in that sort of realm of of technological innovation. Don't even get me started with the XFL. Now, maybe some point in time, you and I will go ahead and look into the XFL as far as an epilogue, how they died twice. Uh, I, I will only say that this was a better attempt for them. Obviously, a little bit more successful in certain areas, but overall, it was still looking like it was destined to see its way out one more time. And there's residual effects on it like that that maybe we will talk about on another episode if we ever decide to go ahead and delve into the XFL. Now, I'll leave that up to you because that's something that I think we could touch on for hours and not in a very good fashion when it comes to what we're seeing now. And if the the schedule, like you said, is going to be introduced here in a matter of days, which I'm kind of still thinking that's probably a bad choice to set that up right now in the middle of everything kind of opening up. And we're still unsure where we're at as far as getting a second wave. Deaths in so many different states are still rising instead of falling. And, you know, all the stuff that's going on, everybody hears in the news. I don't want to have to repeat it here, but... I'm still concerned that, you know, even though everybody would be excited for NFL schedule releasing, I'm just not sure that maybe now, maybe wait a month to announce it. I think that would probably be better, but because it's not like you're going to be selling tickets that are to the games or anything. I know. And here's the thing. The mastermind that is Roger Goodell, his MO has been, once the NFL making some sort of news and they're having some sort of an event, Every month of the year, if possible. Now, it's hard to do in June. I feel like the whole league goes on vacation heading into training camp starting in late July. But that's his thing. He wants to, re- since he had to push back the schedule release, oh, well, let's, let's do it in May. We got some really good buzz with the draft. Let's make some more 
noise or news here. And I agree with you. And I think too, maybe just trying to drum up some optimism. Hey, if we are able to have a limited amount of fans coming to the games, here's when we hope to do it. Or maybe they say, look, this is our penciled in schedule, all subject to change. We're not going to give you dates. We're just going to tell you week one through week 17, who's playing when, who theoretically is playing where and what the bye weeks will be. So that could be a twist too. I think it could present a scheduling nightmare if they have to push things back. But at the very least, look, we're talking about it. We're interested in it. We're trying to be hopeful. There's some room for optimism, whether artificially generated or not. But at this point, I'll take it. It gives us something to talk about, be hopeful for. I am hopeful that something's going to happen that's positive for the world. I know certain sports are going to go ahead with NASCAR. I think also IndyCar racing, those two outlets are going to go ahead with their schedules coming up here very shortly. I know, like we said, the NFL is going to release its schedule, uh, hopefully very soon, according to a lot of people. So I'm just kind of hesitant. I just kind of think that's maybe not the best optics. And if that's the case, and they're going to go ahead and do that, you're going to see other leagues like Major League Baseball, I'm sure, act upon that or at least think or a lot more loudly about what they're going to be doing. And so I think it also clears the way for the NBA and other sports leagues that were kind of hesitant to go ahead and say, you know what, we're going to put out the schedule right now. We're going to go ahead and have this and have that and be in the middle of a pandemic claiming that. And if the NFL is going to go ahead and do it first, then you know what, more power to them to go ahead and do that. But yeah, I just don't think the optics are quite right right now. I mean, but again, like it's the NFL and, and football and the popularity of football will definitely, in this case, I think overall, supersede all entirely. That's it. When you're the top dog, you can get away with things like this, whether it be a lack of tact or being tone deaf to certain things. Uh, and we all know their leader. I don't want to say he doesn't care, but doesn't seem to bother him too much like it would maybe an Adam Silver. We may be headed to the replay booth, but we'll be right back with Inside Sports fantasy football for the latest news and information analysis and opinions on the los angeles lakers and the nba check out the lakers fast break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts well my friend we're almost out of time here on the inside sports fantasy football but before we head on out i think we've got two things left to deal with and that is of course our weekly thoughts from woof woof the doghouse and of course <laughs> your final thoughts overall from chris Sardieri. woof woof well the the doghouse again not a heck of a lot to, to gamble on these days unless you can find me an ant race or something like that but ironically we get back to the nfl and the release of their schedule and anyone who would set some sort of theoretical line about when leagues returns and who uh, return and who's in the best position or shape you may doubt the nfl a little bit right now if you were to consider them some sort of underdog i'd say take that wager because regardless of what happens let's say they push the season back well goodell gets what he wants he's controlling the narrative and television through theoretically late February or March, if they got to push it back a few months, whether it be with or without fans. And that's a win for them. Then two, college football is really going to have a hard time because who knows if or when kids will be back on campus and you can't have 
just the football team on campus without the rest of the students. That's another issue for another podcast. But let's say Saturdays are bare and NCA says we're not playing till the spring. Well, the NFL has got the option to have some Saturday games throughout the, the season. And then, too, you can roll on down the line. High school football, there's no more Friday night lights. We're not playing till the spring either. The NFL plays a few Friday night games. Oh, and we've already got Thursday night. So you look, they're going to be controlling, what, four nights of the week at a minimum, having some primetime games. So uh, don't underestimate the NFL. I know this is a terrible pandemic, but um, perhaps Goodell's got some shrewd people with foresight around them. But I just feel like everything's going to fall into their lap. The PGA, MLB, NASCAR, IRL, like you mentioned, will lead the way and the NFL will follow suit, but I just feel like they'll benefit regardless. So that's my unique twist on a doghouse type pick. Well, there you have it. That's the doghouse woof-woof from Chris Ardieri. If you have any thoughts for Chris on his, well, his doghouse statements or anything else we talk about right here at Inside Sports Fantasy Football, or just as important, if you're looking for advice from what we usually do during the course of the season, and that's talk fantasy football if you've got some fantasy drafts because i've already heard from our one of our frequent co-hosts and that is jason dutch he was talking about how he's already having to get into his legacy draft and all those for for the ones that he's carrying over and things of that nature so he has to get his teams already started and i know some leagues are already in that process as well so if you got any thing that you want to go ahead and ask for fantasy football please you can talk to us today first off at chris l sports on twitter or you can go ahead and give us a ring right here for an email at isfantasyfootball at yahoo.com or also as well, Inside Sports FF on Twitter. That's at Inside Sports FF on Twitter. Well, my friend, any last thoughts on the way out? Because it's been a great episode. We've had a lot to talk about. We didn't think we would, but you know what? We actually had quite a bit to talk about as well. Yeah, I've got to thank the NFL as a whole for giving us something to talk about each week. So I'm grateful for that. And then, too, um, I do think at some points it's great doing these shows with you and talking football. I know we'll be able to get to fantasy at some point. But I think the overarching thing here for me, and I, I give Jason credit for prepping for a draft, is I normally don't want to have a draft till we reach the some point near the end of August in a typical training camp cycle. But I think that's even more the case now. That said, I think there's some homework you could do. You could look at someone like an Andy Dalton, and I'm not saying you want to pick him, but maybe that's someone you take a late-round flyer on and stash on your bench. Why? Because he's going to a team that's loaded on offense with an offensive-friendly coach. So you could start doing some homework now. There's probably some value to be added there, thinking about rosters and this and that. One caveat I will add is I don't know what the heck to make of any rookies, especially the quarterbacks. I mean. Um, I think Tua, Burrow, and Herbert will really be behind the eight ball. I know they've probably got nice thick playbooks to look at right now, but until they're in game shape and seeing action, you know, they're missing out on the OTAs, working out with their teams, that sort of thing. Um, I, I think that's just kind of a gray area right now, and I think that might be a little bit of reason for concern for fantasy owners. I don't know if we're going to see a Kyler Murray or Baker Mayfield-type quarterback emerge this year in fantasy land. Well, it's going to be something interesting to see. I mean, they're going to get a lot of video work done at least. So they'll be able to go ahead from a video standpoint and be able to go ahead and get a lot of time under their belt for that. We're on the field, 
you're right. That's going to be an issue. That's going to be a learning and process actually during regular season games for a lot of these rookie quarterbacks. So I agree with you there. I don't see the big numbers even from Joe Burrow yet this season because of development of on the field action and also exhibition games, et cetera, et cetera, being curtailed or even eliminated because of what we're going to be seeing from the coronavirus. But I do see as far as from the cerebral side of things that they're going to have a lot more time from the scouting perspective, from also the perspective of learning the offense, learning the playbook. I mean, that's been one of the complaints before is that they didn't have enough time to learn the playbook, playbook. but now there's no excuses. They will at least know the plays. They will at least know how it looks or supposed to look on, on the video and the playback and all that nature, but actually on the field, training on the field reps, that is most important, but unfortunately they're going to get a minimum amount of that before they head out onto the field. Absolutely. It's that game speed and the reps that's key for, especially for a quarterback coming in. Well, my friend, it's been a great episode. I'll tell you what, your insight as always is on par, spot on. Make sure you get a chance out there to listen to the domination podcast. That is Dom D O M hyphenated in nation. That's the domination podcast on anchor or wherever you get your podcasts. Chris and his son do a sensational job each and every week covering the different aspects of the sports realm. Of course, they're on what's almost everyone's minds right now, The Last Dance, so they cover that on this week's show, so you got to check that out. Cannot thank you enough, Chris, for stopping by. Always a pleasure to have you on this week's show. And once again, our condolences and our respects to Don Shula and family on the passing of the great coach that he was, Don Shula. All right, Chris, just want to go ahead and thank you again for another great show. Any last thoughts on the way out? Enjoyed it. Thanks again to everyone. And uh, stay safe. I mean, I'm all footballed out. But thanks again for the plug for my other podcast. And we're also on Instagram at Domination Sports Nation. All one word. Feel free to reach out to us there. And thanks again. Appreciate all the kind words everyone said about both podcasts. Well, there you go. Domination Sports Nation on Instagram. Follow him there. Check out his awesome show. Plus, also come back for this show, I hope. So hopefully, Chris, you'll you'll come back down to our level right here, to my level, to go ahead and speak to me now that you're on that high upper echelon podcast pedestal with your son and all that. Hopefully, you'll take some time once again to talk to us next week right here at Inside Sports Fantasy Football.